Hey, Google, add a gym to my schedule tomorrow. I've added gym to your shopping list. Uh, perfect. Because sometimes you need that gin. Out of place, we ain't caring about your feelings, yeah. Anytime, any place, you can feel it here. Steven, then you out of space, so we clear the air. Any topic, and it's safe, so just be prepared. Don't assume, keep it straight, we might keep it fair. The news, the page, we gon' keep it real. If you tune in, then you sick for real. A Bluetooth, we took the red pill. Every image in the video, talk about it. Different views on the subject, we must talk about it. At the end of the day, we just talking, homie. Only me in the room, but it's like a party. Introducing... Steven Daniel, author, artist, all around great guy. Hello, out of placers. Before we start the show, I want to give a shout out to an awesome artist, Leisha. Y'all heard her song Drunk featuring Grow Man in the Cancel Culture episode. Leisha has a new song called You. Here's a tease. Lately, it's you, you, you. So Click the link in the description to listen to the entire song and show her some amazing love and support. My lovely listeners, hope your summer has been great. So far, mine has been fantastic. We started the summer by taking the boys to Legoland here in Southern California. If you haven't been there, I highly recommend it. Food is and uh, granny fries are over a hype, but this park is great for kids and adults who absolutely love Legos. My boy's favorite attraction was the driving school, even though it was too quick for every session. They don't get to be in the car that very long. My favorite ride has to be the Emmett ride. It's just like Soren, but Lego movie theme. I think the company that made Soren did it better, but it was still fun. Then a few days after the Legoland trip, my in-laws visited us um, for a week, and it was a lot of fun. You can see some of the pics in my Instagram account. Looking for more fun stuff coming in the summer. Oh, and before I forget, yes, the whipped cream recipe in my Dad's Can Cook 2 cookbook is empty, and I did that on purpose. I had a few people pointing this out recently, and the reaction was what I wanted. Years ago, when I was browsing around Barnes and Nobles, I was going through some good cookbooks and I thought, wouldn't it be funny if there was a recipe that had some missing info, just random. So I decided to have an empty one. I chose the homemade whipped cream because it's one of the easiest recipes out there. So yes, there is nothing under the whipped cream recipe because it's a joke. One last thing I want to talk about before getting started is this trend I have been seeing that is driving me nuts. It is videos of servers saying that if you can't tip, then don't go out to eat. Well, let me tell you servers something. No one has to tip. We are all told that tipping is optional, but in America, I understand it feels like it's mandatory. And if you don't do it, you will get judged. You will be labeled cheap or an for not tipping. If I go to a restaurant and the bill came out to $76, the restaurant asked me to pay $76, that's no f- problem. Here's the money you asked for, but f- no, it w- I would be a f- if I chose not to tip and paid what I was asked to pay. It's mostly in restaurants that we have to tip. It doesn't matter what restaurant. Could be a small mom and pop place that don't clean their utensils very well or an expensive restaurant that serves expensive food the size of three two by four lego bricks gotta still pay that tip though listen we pay our phone bill and our electric bill and pay the exact amount stated on the bill right i don't leave a tip i would never pay more than that for those type of bills especially when gas is not regulated like in georgia waiters and waitresses don't earn enough well it's not my 
fault. There are many cities around the world outside of the United States that have their restaurants pay a good wage and they banned tipping. It's not my responsibility to pay the server's salary. I don't want to hear your sob story of not getting tipped enough. It's your boss's fault for you servers not getting paid enough. Not my fault. If you're working at a place and it's just not enough tipping, well, go to a better restaurant. There is a big difference in tipping when you compare something like the Cheesecake Factory versus Steak and Shake. If we provide a good service, you should live with tip. If I go to Target and the cashier was amazing and engaging, uh, they gave me a discount that I didn't know about, they gave my kids stickers, I don't leave them a tip. The servers work hard and they deserve a tip. Most of the people out there, most people that work, they work hard too, not just you. There are many places that I've eaten at where the servers don't even bring out the food because they have food runners. And if I order something from the bar, somebody else brings it to. Not even the food runners, it's somebody else. So some of you servers, all you have to do is put on a fake smile, give me a straw that you forgot to give me in the first time around, and then give me the wrong drinks and keep getting my kids' orders wrong. That's all you have to do. But despite everything I just said, I still tip. I don't tip because you servers need to pay rent, I tip so that my food don't get f***ed with. So that the next time you see me walk through those doors, and I stand out. I am super friendly with everybody, and people seem to remember me wherever I go. I don't want people to spit and do things to my food. I have worked in a few restaurants as a cook in the past, and I know what happens when the Karens and Kevins are heads to servers. Watch Waiting with Ryan Reynolds and you'll see what I'm talking about. That is the main reason I leave a tip. I don't want my food to get messed with if I want to go back to that restaurant. So I am as friendly as I can be. I try to remember your name and be engaging and answer questions quickly. I even, when and I know it drives some servers nuts, when, when they get to the table and they're like, okay, uh, nachos? And everybody looks stupid. I don't understand. Like the people that I'm with, I'm looking at them and I'm like, you don't remember what you ordered i try to remember everybody it's like uh who ordered the sliders up oh, sliders right over here uh the chicken oh right over here and i am as respectful as i can be so that my food comes out without anything done to it how much do i leave a tip depends on the service if you are average just okay just there and not that engaging i'll give you 20 percent, and we'll round up to the next dollar if you were I will give you $2 less than that. If you were beyond amazing, I will give you $5 more than the average. Sometimes way more than that if a server goes way beyond. Tipping is something you servers cannot get pissed at. I can guarantee that the servers that complain that they don't get any tip are the I don't care. I hate my job servers. I bet you anything. Those are the entitled that are complaining. At the top of the episode, I told you how we started the summer vacation. During that time, we had gone to 11 restaurants and it was very easy to see the great from the sh So let's start with the sh We had only one. It was on Father's Day last month. And for breakfast, we ate at Huckleberry's over at the Anaheim Garden Walk. Food was great, but our server was beyond didn't pay attention to what we were saying, got two of our orders wrong, forgot our drinks, kept forgetting to get us cream for our coffee. He just made our first time experience there unpleasant. We had never been there before. I'm sitting there listening to other servers doing a great job. Even the hostess, when I was talking to them, were great. And I'm here like, why the f*** did we get this sh For the last couple of weeks, three servers stuck out. First was at Habana's here at Irvine Spectrum. I think our server's name was Matt. Uh, I 
think that was what his name was, but whatever. He was amazing. He hooked my boys up with some delicious treat because our reservations was at 7 p.m. So I gave the boys some pyology before that. And those of you with kids know that, you know, when they get hungry, they're going to be annoying as Anyways, our server made us smile a lot, especially my father-in-law. Our server was just on it. He made our Father's Day dinner a memorable night. The next great service was actually the day after Father's Day over at the Lighthouse Cafe at Newport Beach. Uh, Now that is my favorite spot for fish and chips. It's just so good there. Uh, Anyways, our server Carlo was hilarious and so much fun to be with. We would make him laugh. He would make us laugh. He made our brunch fantastical. I'm looking forward to going back there just because of the experience and of course the fish and chips. The third server was Kaylin over at the Joe's Crab Shack in Einaheim on Harbor Boulevard. The food there at Joe's Crab Shack is average. Not the best seafood. Well, their hush puppies are so freaking yummy and they do carry my favorite beer, which is the 805. Even though the food was okay, Kaylin made our experience great. That is the piece of advice I can give you servers. When a family or a couple or some friends come to the restaurant you're working at, don't expect any tip from anybody. Just do great. If you do great, the tip will come. You are going to get those customers that are people. People are always going to try some dumb with you, but you still got to give it your all. See, when I go to a restaurant, I don't give a how of a day you're having. I cook food way better at home, but I go to restaurants for the ambiance, for a chance to get a break from cooking and cleaning the dishes. When I go to a restaurant, I'm expecting to have a good time, a relaxing time with people I'm with or when I eat solo. I'm not expecting to respond to your attitude because you hate your job or because you had a late night and still have a hangover and can't be friendly when I just want to eat a yummy breakfast. I really don't give a Unless you were engaging in deep conversations with me and I chose to hear you out. Because my friendliness always gets people to spill their problems out on me. Uh, But I enjoy it. My wife is the one that really doesn't like me having long conversations with people we don't know. Because for her, we are there for personal family fun time. Well, I didn't mean to rant this long about tipping in the monologue. But there it is. You people going out to eat, tip so your food don't get with the next time you eat there and you servers if you want more tips just learn to connect with your customers ask questions that help you learn more about the guests for example instead of saying would you like a glass of wine with your meal try saying hey this wine would pair very nicely with your filet mignon which by the way ribeye steak is better i think that this will enhance and bring out flavors in the meat would you like me to bring a glass out for you to taste that is Pretty much upselling. I did that all the time when working at Home Depot. Someone would be looking for a blue tape for painting. And I would ask what project they were working on. And then ask, do you have rollers, paintbrushes, gloves, shoe and hair protectors, and so on. Upsell when it's right. Never assume what a guest is going to order unless there are regulars and you know them. Know how to never waste time by always moving and not standing around talking It looks bad for us customers when we need our drink, when we need our check, when we need to order, when we need something and we see servers just around the guys flirting with the girls, people that are just lazy. They're just around. When we see people around, we get pissed. And also don't treat campers like because they're not getting up when you want them to get up. 
If it's just me, the wife, and the kids, we pretty much just leave after we're done. But if we are with others, we usually like to order a few more drinks or coffee and just hang around while we visit with each other. I've had servers who made us feel unwelcome because they felt like we were taking money from them. We usually leave as soon as we pay the tab, but we do chill sometimes. But I know that there are people who pay the tab and still stay there for a very long time. They have no idea that they're with the table turnover rate. I get it. But just don't be rude. Be respectful and honest with them. I understand that it's hard to deal with many different people, especially when having to juggle a hundred things at the same time. But it's very important to try and create an amazing dining experience for customers, for your guests, so you can get that fat tip. Let's move on. This is going to be a short episode for the touchy topic. I'm going to be talking about being lonely. There will be no VO nonsense or a big Vinny and Lenny segment between vacation and being sick for a little bit. I didn't have the time to write a script and cast people for those segments. So kick back and relax with your favorite drink and enjoy the episode. Time to get touchy. Get ready to be triggered. Sensitive topics. Oh, look, they're about to cry. All consensus, so we'll see. Nobody likes a snowflake. What is Steve's problem today? You know, I'm usually the guy that always has something to say. No matter what the subject is, I usually will have an opinion on it. And if there is a problem, I usually have a solution to it. However, on the subject of being lonely, I don't really have an answer for it. Why? Because that is what I'm going through right now. I feel alone in this world. But Stephen, what about all your friends I see that you have online? Well, most of those friends are professional contacts. On Facebook, I have over 700 friends, but most of them are voice, TV, and movie actors, musicians, and filmmakers. We give each other advice and support and motivate each other, but that's it. Nothing more. On Twitter, I have over 4,000 followers, but most of them are also independent authors like myself. We usually share each other's things and sometimes read each other's books. We used to review each other's books until we found out that Amazon doesn't like when competitors review each other positively. On LinkedIn, I have over 200 connections, but they are all on the professional level. This is where I usually make a business deal. Most of my connections on LinkedIn are entrepreneurs or people at the corporate level. On Instagram, the folks that follow me on there are already following me on Facebook. Instagram is where I usually show some family photos as well. I have connected and talked with so many different people through social media. I have met some amazing individuals. And I am super happy to have met them, super happy to have them in my life. But when I need someone to talk to right away, they are not there to answer quickly. If I'm feeling down on a Tuesday, I might not hear from most of them until a week or two. Through social media, it's more like, we'll pick up our conversation later on. I don't know when, but later on. But me, I'm always answering quickly. As soon as I get a message, I answer right away. But almost everybody else feels like days or even weeks later, which is okay but it adds to the loneliness. Sometimes I feel like I'm not important enough. Nobody cares what the f*** is going on with me. And I completely understand. People are busy. And it's not all about me. But certain people that I am close with on social media, they can't be next to me physically. So I feel alone. What about family? I don't get along with most of my family. Sometimes I feel like I'm the black sheep. On my mother's side, because I don't like feeding into the drama, I'm not good enough to be in the circle. On my father's side, everyone is so spread out since I was a kid that they have become very distant. I don't know them and they don't know me. 
On my stepfather's side, most of them treat me like a stranger because I'm not blood, just the way it is. On my stepmother's side, and even though my father and stepmother are not together anymore, I still consider her my stepmother because she's been in my life since I was seven. But on her side, they mostly said because of politics. So because of the way I live, the way I like things a certain way, I will not apologize for it. And the way I raise my children, my family has always kept me away. And then you have the ones that I am close with, but then the military kept us far away from them. I got some awesome family in Illinois, got some great ones in Tennessee, Atlanta, and the rest are in Florida. These are the people I still talk to now, people who call or message me. And if you're listening for the first time, we are a military family. We have been based in Seattle, Washington for a year, Key West, Florida for four years, Baltimore, Maryland for two years, Alameda, California for four years, and it looks like Los Angeles, California will be for three years because there's a big possibility that we're going to be moving out of here next summer and headed back to the East Coast. Anyways, all of these places where the military had sent us kept me away from some of the great family members. But since I can't hug them or hang out with them physically, I feel alone. So you don't have any friends you can hang out with? Really? Physically? No. Why? A big reason is that I don't get along with men as much as I do with women. Society, and that includes my wife, frowns on people of the opposite sex being friends. When I hang out with a guy, it's always the same. We either talk sports, which I don't watch. I used to watch sports. I grew up watching sports. I watched football and baseball with my father. I watched NASCAR with some co-workers. And when I got close to my father-in-law, I got into Formula One. But I always associated the sports events with watching with someone. But being far away from everyone, if I had a choice to watch sports or play video games, when I'm on my own, I'm gaming. The next thing men always talk about is cars. I really don't give a shit about cars. There are certain models that are cool, but I don't give a shit. I loved going to bike nights at Hooters when I lived in Florida and car shows every now and then, but that's it. I really don't give a sh**. And of course, men talk and gawk at women almost the whole f time. It's fun to look at women, don't get me wrong. I mean, we are men. And of course, getting away with talking about women is great, but not every f woman that passes by do we have to keep talking about it. Stopping conversation just to break neck. For me, there's only so much you could look at without looking like a desperate Because most men, they don't know how to be discreet. Women are f great at it. They will be checking you out and you didn't even know they were checking you out. But men, they don't give a sh So I get along way better with women. Women tend to talk about everything, fun things and important things. I told you that I'm a talkative person. Throughout life, I've always heard people complain about how much women talk. But here I am thinking that in my relationship, I'm the woman when it comes to talking. I talk and my wife doesn't. But like I said, I am not allowed to have women friends because society has programmed it into us that men and women cannot be best friends. They'll say that it is in our nature that we cannot be friends with the opposite sex. They'll say that we are hardwired to have some degree of attraction to the opposite sex or that close friends have a tendency to get too comfortable and that can lead to sexual things. There are many reasons that people create to get you to stay away from even thinking about being friends with the opposite sex. I don't have a problem with it. Will I at one point fantasize about that friend? Probably. But it's just a thought. I will never act out on it. I would be fine with being friends with the opposite sex because I already have a great relationship. So I'm not looking for someone else to. F I'm not looking for love. I'm not looking for a relationship. 
So I'm not going to be trying to f- somebody else. The other reason that I would be fine and wouldn't screw it up if I finally find that perfect friend and it happens to be the opposite sex, I wouldn't want to lose that friend. I wouldn't want to f- that friendship up. But this world will never allow me to have a best friend of the opposite sex. So the only women friends that I can hang out with is my wife's approved friends, her friends, and they are only a tiny handful. And what sucks is that the friends that she is cool with me to hang out with and I have, they're far away now. We move and it sucks. So when you talk about friends just hanging out and talking and stuff, no friends. Therefore, I feel lonely. What about your wife? I love my wife. I could tell my wife almost anything. I don't hide anything from her. Now, I did in the past when our relationship was rocky. But right now, the relationship we have now, I tell her everything. I can't complain about her to her. I can't really complain about our kids to her. We have many things in common, but there are also many things that we don't have in common. That's the part when I feel lonely. And hanging out with my wife requires us to have date nights. And because we're far away from family and we don't trust anyone else to watch our kids, we don't hang out like that. We don't go on dates. Our hangout most nights when there is no work the next day is to watch a movie until my wife falls asleep. That's our hangout. Or when I grill outside and she joins me with the rum and coke or an ice cold beer. I love my wife. I am very close to my wife. I mean, she's like my friend. Actually, the more I think about it, she may be, by definition, my best friend. But there are things that I cannot talk about or do with her that makes me wish I had a best friend outside of the relationship. What about your parents? I get along with my parents, especially my father, my mother, and my father-in-law. I could tell them anything. But the problem with that is that they will always advise me like a parent, not a friend. Most parents will always be by your side no matter what. So if you talk about your boyfriend, girlfriend, or spouse, they will develop a hatred for them and will use it against you. I remember when my wife and I dated, she would spill her heart to her friend and the friend would see us still together later on after things got patched up and would use that. Everything that my wife said to her against my wife and tried to break us apart. It caused my wife to not confide into anyone ever again. I am surrounded by great people, but I still feel alone. I have great friends and family I could connect with virtually and have a wonderful spouse, but I still feel lonely. It feels like the people I surround myself with don't see me. They don't understand me. They don't know what I want. They don't care about the things I need to talk about. It makes me feel alone. Many people act like they like me, but in my heart, I'm always wondering, do they really care? I start thinking, maybe it's me. Am I worthless? Am I unlovable? Do I have a personality disorder that people don't like? Maybe it's because I have a very low opinion of myself because I find myself talking about myself a lot. I'm also so careful in trusting others because... People has me over many times. I realized that with all this, maybe that is why I'm super friendly in public because I want people to like me. Sometimes I wonder if that is too much. It blows my mind that I feel alone in this world. We are more connected than ever before, and yet I can't believe I feel alone. 
I mean, I have the ability to reconnect with people I have gone to school with a long time ago and people that I have worked with in the past. I can talk and engage with many people, but I still feel alone. I'm not broken. At least I don't think I'm broken. But I feel like I am in need of a real connection. I feel like sometimes it's hard to be myself. I'm myself on this podcast. When you listen to me, this is me. I'm not, there's nothing fake about me. I pour my heart out. But even this podcast has caused some trouble with friends and family. Because sometimes these think I'm talking about them. They're just a bunch of narcissists. I feel like the more I'm myself, the more society says for being you. And as I'm talking right now, I'm realizing that all I need is to find a best friend. Maybe that's what's missing in my life. Someone who is not my wife or my parent or sibling. Someone I can meet up and hug physically. I want a friend that will want to go get some nachos with me when I need a break from husband and daddy duties. I want someone who will message me right away when they get exciting news. I want a friend that knows all my favorite things. Someone who will never judge me. Someone who can keep my secrets. And that's an important one for me because I have confided in many people in the past and it had backfired. For example, I was talking about someone and confided to a family member who I thought I could trust to then have that person I was talking about say to me, so-and-so said, you said this, stop talking. Boom. Trust is gone. So I need someone I can trust. Someone I can confide in about anything. And I don't have to worry about it going into anybody else's ears. I need someone I don't have to walk on eggshells when I'm around them. Someone that can be completely honest with me because they know I won't use it against them. And they know I won't judge them. Someone that when it's silent, it's never weird or awkward. We're just chilling. Relaxing. Someone that won't gossip about me behind my back and will defend me if they do hear something. I want a friend that I can go on vacations with without worrying if there is going to be a fallout. Someone I can talk about intimate things with. Someone that knows how to make me laugh when I feel like. Someone that cares if I get home safe. Hanging out and say, hey, text me when you get home. I do that all the time for people. Hey, hey, please let me know when you get to the hotel. Please let me know when you get home. I want someone that will know how I feel just by looking at me. Someone I can have inside jokes with. Someone that can move on from an argument when it's done and won't bring it back up in the future. So that means I need someone that can easily forgive because we're all human and we all f*** up. I would love someone that can calm me down when I'm nervous or furious about something. Someone that will tell me if I have a booger sticking out of my nose or something in my beard or something in my teeth. Someone that will never judge how I parent. Someone that will cover for me if I needed an alibi. Someone that is just as silly as me. Also someone that is a super Disney fan like me. Someone that is supportive. And someone that would accept me for who I am. But right now, I don't have that person in my life. And that is why I feel alone. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you come home from work where you get along with coworkers. Maybe you have a great relationships with family. Maybe you are an awesome friend on social media, but you still feel alone in this big, stupid world. 
I said this before, that you have to find your tribe. And for some people, it is easy for them to find the tribe. But I feel lost. If you're feeling the same way, just understand that it's not just you. We are not alone in our loneliness. Maybe we just need to find each other. Imagine if all the lonely people connected. No one would feel alone anymore. I go through moments. Moments that are filled with distractions to help me forget that I feel alone. One of the things I do is smile. You hear me say that all the time. I even look in the mirror sometimes and just smile. I also try to make others smile and laugh with the hope that someone will also make me laugh and smile. Another way I try to get through those lonely feelings is to understand that life is full of ups and downs and that tomorrow is another day. We all have days. Sometimes those crappy days is when we would feel alone. But when I wake up the next morning, I wake up filled with optimism because it's way better than expecting a lonely day. Another thing that I do that helps a little is to get out of the house. And I'm not talking about going out with the entire family. I'm talking about treating yourself to a solo out. Being alone does not hold me back from experiencing life. I've gone to theme parks alone. I go to the movies alone. I go to restaurants alone. And sometimes when I don't have any money and waiting for the payday, I window shop and walk around my favorite places and malls. I go at my own pace. Because I don't want my loneliness to be the reason I miss living life. I know that this episode's touchy topic is a big downer, and I'm sorry about that. I don't have any much else to say except this last thing. If you know someone that, after listening to this, he or she popped in your mind, do your best to help that person feel better. Do your best to help that person not feel lonely anymore. Be a great listener. Don't just hear what he or she is saying. Really listen to them. When they are talking, don't interrupt them or try to outdo their story. Don't let your mind wander. Just focus on what they are saying and show interest as well. Being an active listener helps the person feel important. It will make that lonely person feel valued. Another way to help them is to do what they love. I can't tell you how much I lose out on because I try to make others feel good. Besides my wife, no one asks, Stephen, what do you want to do? I'm always worried about other people's feelings, so find out what he or she likes. Find out what their passions are. Really get to know them. It will have that lonely person feel loved, to feel alive. So don't be afraid to ask questions. What do they like? What don't they like? You get the idea. I mean, really get to know them. So remember, listeners, if you know someone who is going through a difficult time, someone who is depressed, someone who feels lonely, do not be afraid to reach out. Trust me, it will help. Many people who feel lonely do not have the courage to say it out loud like I just did. And most of them will choose to keep that inside. And don't try to be everything to that one person because you can't be the entire support structure. But you can be part of it. You can help them feel better. You can help them be great. So if you are lucky that you have a ton of friends, you don't have a problem with it. You don't feel lonely, but you know someone that does feel lonely and you don't mind connecting with that person. Doesn't bother you. You want to connect with that lonely person. Extend that blessing to the one that you know need it and do your very best to get that lonely person to smile. What the bird is coming up next.
Hey, hey, just for fun, tell me words that start with S-L. Slinky. Slumber. Slither. Slimy. Slick. Floppy. Sludge. Sleepy. Sloth. Hey, sloths, you know, they have a reputation for being pretty damn lazy. I even used to associate a friend for being a living sloth. He was pretty damn lazy. Sleeping the days away, or so I thought. We were both supposed to be attending some kind of college orientation about eight hours away, and we'd planned on carpooling. But when the day came, he didn't wake up, he didn't call. Well, technically, he was, like, living in my house, so he didn't, uh, he didn't do anything. And I'm up, I'm ready to go, and I'm like, screw it, bastard, I'm out. And I just left without him. And I'll never forgive myself for that. Okay, maybe I will, but it sucks knowing what a terrible person I was that day that I didn't even try. So I left him stranded, and I was his ride. He didn't know how he was going to get down there and stuff. Like a little sly, sleazy slut, I slinkied out of my house while my sloth friend slumbered. How rude. I never did apologize. And even till last week, I didn't even question it. I mean, he was lazy and, you know, it's not my job to wake him up. You know, sloths are pretty cute, even though they get a bad rep. They're slow. Does their cuteness mean that they get a free pass? Eh, I don't think so, but do they even need a pass? After all, they aren't really lazy. They're efficient. They're vegan, eating things like leaves and flowers. Unlike myself, who will proclaim, I haven't ate all day, or I'm so hungry, if I had something that was on the vegan menu but still hadn't had my protein. And by protein, I mean meat. Although their diet isn't the most nutrient-rich, because, you know, how much nutrients can just be in a leaf? They do make the most of it. Their two-chambered stomachs, similar to cows, extract every bit of nutrition. Slowly, slowly, in a miraculous way. It's said that sloths only go down from their home in the trees about once a week. You know why? To poop. To poo-poo. That's an ode to Stephen's little boys who love poop, or saying poop. <laughs> I guess that's better than pooping in the air, you know, but why don't they? Why don't they just let their fly? Well, they want to give a safe home for these little moths that live on their back. When they go down to take their poop, the moths actually lay little babies. So if you didn't know, there's moths that live exclusively on the backs of sloths. And when the poop eggs hatch, they actually take a single flight up back into the trees to rejoin on a sloth's hairy back. And their wings become broken and they never fly again. Like they just, it's a weird, nasty cycle or beautiful, depending on your love of poop. The more moss that these sloths have on their back, the more algae they actually have on their back. Sloths provide a place for moss to die that feed the algae. So it's very, very cyclical. And this algae actually provides the camouflage that the moths need to survive in the trees. If they're going to lay and sleep there all day, they got to stay out of sight from the predators. So it's very much the case of why did the old lady swallow the fly? Why did the moth climb down to take a poop? I wish I could say that my friend was as amazing as the sloth. But the truth is, I never really knew him, or at least the real him to tell you. And I'm afraid that I never will. On July 2nd, this friend, let's call him Sloth, 
was in my hometown's local newspaper, dead at 31. It didn't give much info, but it implied seppuku. (laughs) I mean suicide. Interesting. I called the number in the ad to get information about the funeral. No one answered. I left a voicemail. No one called back. A shared nemesis of ours doesn't really think that he died. He did some digging and he believes that this friend paid for his death notice in the local zine. Did Sloth pull a sleuth? Answer me, Sloth. Did you? After Sloth died, his Facebook display picture was updated twice, along with a name change from Sloth to Love Angel Music Cemetery. Kind of weird. Yes, that is a play on Gwen Stefani's album Love Angel Music Baby. No, it didn't change to some kind of legacy page with some weird, meaningful quote. It stayed locked up. So random people couldn't comment. You couldn't see what was going on. In fact, nobody's commented on any of his stuff. Sloth's obituary was available less than 12 hours after he passed. The number for the funeral has been unreachable to anyone that I've asked and appears to be a Google voice number. I decided to message Sloth online asking if his death was metaphorical, like he's changing genders to a woman now. After all, it's 2021, and he did come out as bi last year. And I'm sure that's not the only thing he was hiding. The truth gets omitted gradually, as a safety measure for most, where we're too afraid to say it all so we just test the waters. As of today, that message still remains unread, so I don't have an answer. Are you still alive, Sloth? I've heard you've had some rough going on. I saw your GoFundMe for help with medical costs last October, but I didn't contribute. You see, I wanted to give, but I got a personal policy that I'm not going to give to any of those sites that take a good cut of my charity. You know, I'd rather just give it to you directly. But instead of reaching out, I went into labor, actually, and I kind of forgot. And it's not that you're not important. It's just you're not as important as my firstborn. I'm not sure about my second, though. Hmm. Let me get back to you, you know, if you decide to resurface. Anyways, Sloth, I hope you pulled a suicide, faking your own suicide. We might not forgive you right away, but I'd be glad to hear you're still alive. I'd like to apologize for leaving without you years back and and ask you how your surgery went if you ever got it. You know, sloths are pretty cool, you see. They don't get to write their own obituaries. They don't get surgery or come back from the dead. But they're also very, very fartless. You see, they don't fart. They're actually the only animals that don't fart. And that's pretty awesome. Their stomach bloats from the trapped gas in their body, creating buoyancy, allowing them to safely swim. Even when they're drunk off berries and sh- those can float. This is actually the only time that these unique creatures are actually considered not to be a lazy f- In honor of my potentially past pal, please contact your friend that's most likely to fake their own death and let them know you're on to them. Thank you. If you like the show, leave a like, leave a comment, submit a rating on iTunes, subscribe, follow and ding our bell or do whatever you want on the platform you're listening to this on. Just show us and out of place some love and tell other people about this podcast. Remember to find a way to make someone's day. Doesn't have to involve money. Smile at a stranger. Try your best not to be mean. Hold the door open for someone. Tell a friend or family member you appreciate them or just say hi. Whatever it is, just make someone's day. Do that today day. If anything I said in this episode offended you in any way, we do not care. Cry to your mommy or anybody that will listen to a sensitive snowflake like yourself. Just know and understand no one else cares. Other than the music streaming service you're listening to this on, you can also find this podcast on YouTube. To our loyal listeners who made it to the end, we love you. We appreciate you. Goodbye. And always remember to smile.